What's shaking, cats and kittens? Rob Lee here for this month's presenting sponsor, Night Owl Gallery. Night Owl Gallery is an intimate, artist-run exhibition space showcasing the original paintings and fine art prints of Beth Ann Wilson. Also, it features curated goods from local artists and craftsmen. You'll be sure to find one-of-a-kind gifts, handcrafted jewelry, home decor items, along with a few vintage treasures. Located in the rear of 248 South Conklin Street in Highlandtown, across from the Sally O's, Night Owl Gallery is a unique space that brings together Wilson's love of the arts, community, and culture. Additionally, Night Owl Gallery hosts an array of arts and crafts workshops throughout the year and participates in community events, many of which are free and open to the public. So in this ever-changing world, safety is their priority. So feel free to join them and hit them up online at www.nightowl.gallery. Tell them Rob Lee sent you. Welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art on MTR Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Lee. And today's guest is the owner, designer, flower liaison, Ellen Dozens, Ellen Frost. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. Um, it's it's always great to um, link and, and, and be able to talk to a local business that you've done stuff with or, or bought stuff from and kind of like, I've seen, I've seen your place. I've seen it a few times and it's good to yeah. be able to attach a face to what I'm getting from you ultimately. Awesome. So let, let's let's get that that rundown. So local color flowers is a yep. Baltimore based floral design business. Yes, we started in 2008. Um, wow. So we are in our 14th year in business and we have had sort of lots of versions of local flow since the beginning. Um, but the things that have stayed the same and stayed true to our, our vision and our mission um, is to provide locally sourced flowers to the folks in Baltimore. And while that may not sound like a big deal, um, and certainly now more and more people are sourcing locally, but when we started in 2008, we were the only florist in the state of Maryland that were sourcing local, 100% local flowers. Oh, wow. And so most people don't know or don't think about necessarily where their flowers come from. You know, you go to Trader Joe's, you go to Whole Foods, you see flowers on display, you grab a bunch to throw in your cart on the way, you know, to grocery shopping. Most people don't think like, where did these flowers come from? Who grew them? How were they grown? Um, how did they get here to this store? Sure. Um, and so for us, um, the fact that 80% of the flowers sold in the United States come from outside of the United States really impacted us um, on, a, on a very local level. So I knew, and I worked on a lot of farms and I knew flower farmers and it made no sense to me that the majority of the flowers that people were buying in Baltimore, in Maryland, in the United States, were being flown on airplanes five, six, 10,000 miles wow. to get to the Mount Washington Whole Foods. Wow. Like it made no sense to me because I knew flower farmers in our community who were like, look, I grow really great flowers and I don't have enough customers and I don't really know how to connect my product to the end consumer the way a gigantic farm in Colombia or Ecuador does. Right. And so in the beginning, 
we really just saw our business as a way to be a bridge between farmers who had flowers locally and in the beginning people who were getting married and wanted to have local flowers at their weddings because at, at that time there was just no there was no mechanism for those clients sure. to get to those farmers. And so we thought we could be a bridge between these two groups. And that's really how it started. So it, it started from there. And I, I, I would imagine I, I kind of undersold you a little bit, I think, when I, I said owner, designer, farmer liaison, I think it may be more deeper <laughs> than that. So, you know, stepping back, um, d- describe what, what your role in is in there, because I always give that 10,000 foot view, but I think they sure. can better describe what they do. And ultimately you, you cover what local, fl- what, you know, local color does, but, um, yeah. but, but speak on what you do there specifically. Yeah. I, um, I am the founder of the company. I started it with two friends who quickly left the company, like within the first year. Um, and then I ran the business by myself for a few years. And then my husband joined as a partner in 2012. Um, and so as the owner on entrepreneur, um, you know, in the beginning, all the roles, you know, when anybody starts a business, all the roles are yours. You know, you are the person who drives to the farm and picks up the flowers. You're the person who comes back and designs the flowers. You're the person who delivers the flowers. You're the person who sends the invoice and you're the person, you know, you're everything. Yeah. One stop and shopping. That was for, <laughs> right. That was for many years. Um, that that was how it worked. And, um, it wasn't really until 2012 when we bought the building that we are currently in and we will be in for the rest of our lives, um, that things sort of changed and we hired a staff and we started diversifying the kind of things that we were doing, um, to include things like retail, uh, floral design classes, um, special events, community events, um, and so at that time, my role sort of changed from being the person who did it all to maybe the person who coordinated it all and did some of the things. Yeah. And so um, I'm probably not. So I do still design, certainly for weddings. I don't design as much for our weekday orders anymore. We have designers that do a lot of the weekday orders. Um, I still teach all of the floral design classes that we have in the shop. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm work at all of our retail hours. All I say all of our retail hours, we're open for eight hours a week. So, I mean, it's not like a ton of retail hours. Um, but then I do all of the purchasing. So I am the person who works with, we, we work with about 30 different flower farmers in the state of Maryland and Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Virginia. We have one DC grower right now too. Um, so I'm the person who does all of the purchasing from the farmers and then all of the, the sort of getting the flowers. So either going to the farms and picking stuff up or being available when the farmers come to deliver. Um, I no longer have to do bookkeeping. My husband does the bookkeeping. He does all of the computer stuff too. So I don't have to do that. Um, so I, I have like a pretty perfect job. Like it's pretty amazing. It's, it's good to be at that, that stage where you know each one of the elements enough that it's like, all right, let me delegate here. Let me delegate there. Yeah. So, Delegating is like magic. It's absolutely. like, it just really can make your, you know, and it's hard as um, when we all, I think for a lot of people, when you start out as a solopreneur and you're the person doing everything that 
some personality types are the type that want to keep all of that control, Mm -hmm. you know, as they grow and growing is difficult. Um, for me, I didn't really have that problem. I was happy to delegate. I was happy to build a team that was, um, skilled and trustworthy and passionate about local flowers. And, um, you know, I was happy to let them play a role too. Um, and so it has been great to be able to pass some of that along to other folks. So, and in that, in that kind of solopreneur space and and transitioning into having that team and, and, and working from that standpoint, yeah, was there like an area or a few areas within what your normal responsibilities were that you were like, I'm very passionate about that. I want that to be my thing. And I think these are other areas that I can maybe train someone up and have them do that might be more efficient or it might be a great learning opportunity. How do you want identify the pieces of it that you're really passionate about and you want to do? And how do you find the ones that you're like, all right, I'm not as efficient in that. How do you, how do you, how do you determine those those two? I think that's a great question. And it is, I think it can be challenging because there's so, there's so many tasks. There's so many things. Um, for me, I, I started the business, not because I was like super passionate about design necessarily. I liked the idea of floral design. I thought it was a lot of fun. I didn't think, and I still don't think that I am the best designer. I'm certainly not the best designer around and I'm not necessarily even the best designer on our team right now. Um, and so I knew that floral design was, um, even though it's sort of like the core of what we do, I knew that it was something that the people who came to work for us were very passionate about and very good at Mm -hmm. and picked up quickly. Like we have a lot of, uh, Micah grads on staff. We have a lot of flower farmers, former flower farmers and current flower farmers on staff. So I knew that the floral design piece, while I still wanted my hand in it and certainly on, um, you know, on wedding work and, and bigger events like that, I wanted to have my hands on it still, but that was something that, um, was a little bit easier for me to train and have good staff to do. Um, The things, the sort of buying from the farmers, that was always the piece that was really special to me about our business. And it's also, um, I mean, it's certainly teachable, but it's a little more complicated, just the purchasing, because it's not like purchasing, you know, on Amazon where you're like, okay, I need um, some picnic tables. So I need them in June, but I can order them in December. Like you can just order and, you know, plan ahead with local flowers. You're really waiting for the week of the event for the farmer to tell you what's available that week, because everything is locally sourced. Everything is seasonal. And so a lot of that is sort of, um, it's a fast moving thing. So, you know, you're a week out from a giant wedding. We just this past weekend did the biggest wedding we had ever done. Oh wow! And, you know, we're a week out and we have ordered zero flowers. And so for like a staff member, I, I don't know, there's a lot of pressure yeah. in that and that I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. I am also, you know, in the end responsible for it. So that piece was, was an easy piece for me to keep. Um, and I also love working with the farmers. Like that is like 
one of the things that I really enjoy and really love. Um, same with teaching. And we have had some of our designers teach classes when they are interested in it. That's something that I am passionate about, but we always leave it open for them if they are interested in a topic or, you know, something that they want to um, want to teach on. We always leave that open to them. And a lot of the administrative stuff that was a little bit easier for me to hand off. Um, my husband, when he joined the business, was not going to be involved in the flower side. Like he doesn't design flowers. Um, so that was an easy fit for him. He's a computer programmer. Like it just made sense yeah. that that sort of fit for him. Um, so I don't know. I think we work off everybody's strengths and we're flexible enough that if you ha are passionate about something, you know, we try to make that work. Um, our team has been with us for many years. So um, I think you know, we try to offer them as many opportunities for interesting work and growth and challenge and creativity that, that we can give them. So, um, yeah, I think that's how, how it shakes out sort of looking at people's passions and skills and, and sort of shaking it out from there. Growing like flowers to, exactly. that, to throw that putt out there a little bit. There are a lot of flower puns. <laughs> don't, don't get me. There are a lot of flower puns. And, and I, and I think you, you keyed in on a very um, important concept there because um, you know, this is a, you know, this doing this podcast is a version of that solo entrepreneur thing. And totally. when you're working with other people, I've had these conversations all the time. I was like, mm -hmm. you know, hire a writer or hire someone to book, to book guests. And I was like, I kind of, it comes from me. So it was like, right. what, what portions of it can I delegate? And getting to mm -hmm. that spot where I need to be more comfortable where, you know, I have an editor. So I'll like say, all right, this will save me some time. And I can right. actually schedule and do all of these things and know like who I'm looking for, what type of conversation and you want it to be authentic. But the other thing that I, right. I gathered is you can't, you can't teach passion. You can't teach passion. Never. So if someone is passionate I, about that something. Is, yeah. We are a hundred percent on the same page with that because we are always saying to people, we don't care if you don't know how to design flowers, we can teach you that. That is a skill that we can teach you. We cannot teach you to care about our farmers, the environment, local flowers, our customers. We can't teach you that you have to come to us with that passion and then we can teach you the rest. A hundred percent. We're on the same page about that. That's, that's, that's a big thing. It's like, this is the prerequisite for you to get into this one-on-one floor, floral class. <laughs> yes, totally. Totally. Yeah. Because the thing is, because our, our model is so unique and that most people who do have floral design experience are coming from shops where they source flowers from all over the world, you know, from a wholesaler and our product is different. Our technique is different. The things we care about are different. Um, the, the techniques that we use in the shop to sort of protect the land and protect the environment, composting, not using plastic sleeves, not using floral foam, you know, we do things differently mm -hmm. and, um, we can't sort of make you care about that. Like, I feel like you have to come in with some passion for that and then we can teach you sort of the techniques. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's the, the, the type of conversations I'm really interested in. Like when I talk with uh, like entrepreneurs, like if I'm keeping it very local, there are some entrepreneurs that have expanded and it's like, yeah, I'm, I have a footprint everywhere, but getting to like the crux of I, when I talk to chefs is always interesting because they all say mm -hmm. like, 
you're not getting in here to make a lot of money. You're getting in here. It's like our margins are pretty thin, but you're getting in here because yeah. you're passionate about putting your, your feelings, your emotions and all of that on a plate. And I think that that's transferable to totally. whatever your business is. If you're in it, being it for that reason. And yeah, the money and all of that stuff will come and go or whatever, but being able to do it, that's the thing that gets you up in the morning because yeah. eventually money you know, or whatever the thing is, you're going to be so satisfied that you don't care, but what's going to keep you coming. It's that curiosity right. of how can I design like like this flower set up here or what's mm-hmm. what's really happening here with the farmers? How can we get down to that? Totally. That is totally what drives us. I mean, like restaurants, you know, there are very slim margins in floral design, um, at least the kind of floral design we, we do. You know, we are not, um, you know, by any means, you know, in the luxury florist sort of realm where maybe the margins are bigger. You know, we're a small you know, we're a small Baltimore business in Waverly and we, yeah, have small margins, but what keeps us going is, you know, working with the farmers, supplying our customers with like an amazing local product, um, and having a really creative team that has a lot of fun together. Like, to be honest, like our work is really fun. Fun is fun is, a, is one of those other, it's an elective, but it's not quite a prerequisite, but it's an elective, I think. Yeah, to have it in totally. Totally. So now let's, let's step back even further, right? Describe, mm-hmm. describe your earliest memory, uh, with, uh, either floral or horticulture. I don't know if that's all inclusive, but within that, that industry or working with flowers and things of that nature, describe yeah. one of those earliest memories. I am not a person who came to flowers because of a long history or love of flowers. Okay. So I grew up in Buffalo, New York very much like Baltimore, you know, sort of a working class city. My dad worked at the steel plant. We didn't, we didn't garden. My grandmother, my first memory of flowers is that my grandmother who lived on our same street had some tulips in the front of her house that I remember came up every year. And I thought that was cool as a little kid because we would sort of wait for the tulips. Um, She also in her yard had lilacs, which I also now always associate, you know, we talk a lot about in flowers sort of scent memory and what scent um, reminds us of and what it brings up for us. And certainly the scent of lilac brings me back to being a kid in my grandmother's backyard. But, you know, besides those memories, I didn't, I had no connection to sort of flowers or nature in that way. Like I said, I grew up in a city when I graduated from college in Buffalo, I moved to San Francisco. I lived in a tiny apartment in a, you know, very dense city. Again, no real connection with nature or, um, grow, certainly not growing things. It wasn't really until I moved to Baltimore, um, in 1999 that, um, my husband and I bought a row house in butcher's Hill. That was our first home. And, as a wedding gift, um, my husband's great aunt gave us a bag of tulip bulbs and I didn't really know what to do with them. Um, the direction said, put them in the ground in the fall and they'll bloom in the spring. And I was like, okay, I'll try it. And, you know, sure enough, they came up in the spring and I was like, you know what? I think I'm a gardener now. Like, (laughs) I think I am like, like, I, I think I want to learn more about gardening. And literally, you know, we had a row house backyard. It yeah. was a, you know, a postage stamp size yard. But I was like, I, 
I think I might like gardening. I'd never done it before. I literally don't know anything about it, um, but I want to learn more. And so I took the master gardening class at the University of Maryland, which is for our Baltimore City Master Gardeners is out of Silburn. So I took my master gardening classes at Silburn. And that class is a 40 hour uh, sort of in-class training and then 40 hours of hands-on training. So I got 80 hours of gardening <laughs> training. Um, I also started working part-time at a vegetable farm in Baltimore County, yeah. really just for fun because I really was starting to be into it. My background is in affordable housing development. So I worked my day job in affordable housing development and worked at night and on weekends at this farm And then, you know, I was like meeting farmers, working at the farmer's markets. And I was just like, you know what? This is a lot more fun than the work I'm doing. Like, how can I figure out a way to do this as work? Like, how can I? And I never thought, I never thought about like taking a job at a floral shop. I never, that never even occurred to me. I was in graduate school at Loyola getting my MBA and I took a um, entrepreneurship class and I had never really even considered having a business like that never crossed my mind growing up. I didn't know people who had businesses. I didn't have any like examples of somebody like people we knew in Buffalo. Like I said, you worked at the steel plant or you were a firefighter or a police officer teacher. Um, And it wasn't until I took this class at Loyola that I was like, wait a minute. I can like positively impact my community, which is always what I was trying to do in my community development and affordable housing development work, Mm -hmm. but I can do it sort of on my own terms, maybe with this hobby that I've gotten really passionate about. And so all these things sort of kind of were happening at the same time. Um, And so I really came to (coughs) the business, not from, sort of a deep flower background, but more, <coughs> excuse me, a, um, an interesting community development, um, a, a sort of new passion for gardening um, and an interest in maybe, you know, trying my own thing, um, if you will. So you, you weren't rooted in flowers. I'm going to keep coming with the puns. That's what I do. I was not rooted in flowers. You're right. Um, <laughs> but flowers are the th- one thing about flowers that I think it may be true of a lot of, of a lot of businesses or a lot of um, hobbies. You know, I started gardening when I was 28 or 29 years old. Um, and I started the business. I don't know. I was 30, 35 when I started it, 36. Um, I'm almost, I'm going to be 49 this year. So I feel like it's like one of those things that, um, I didn't feel like it was too late, like to learn a totally different thing. Like I felt like flowers were a thing that you could learn at any time and not just learn, but like become like really proficient and really passionate about, um, at any age. So I don't know. I feel like flowers are such a, are, are such a good medium in that way for art and for business. Totally. Totally. 
Um, you know, there are, are different artists that, whether it be photography, like we have um, Sean Champion here that did this, love uh, this, this series and it involved flowers, or you have uh, yeah. painters that will involve flowers. It, it's, it's beauty in that. And just the, the notion of you're, you're developing something, you're growing something that looks in one form and then later it develops into a, a yeah. different, vaster, more colorful form. It's, it's really interesting. Yeah, totally. So uh, let's see. Oh, I, I got some, I got some, some weird ones here. Okay. I'm up for weird. So, so this is, this is more like inside baseball. So, so flowers, oh, uh, yeah. what flower is always in fashion and what is a flower that is kind of under the radar that you're like, you know what, this needs a little bit more love. Yeah, that's a good question. So one thing I'll say is because we are using local flowers, mm -hmm. um, they, you know, just like if you go to the farmer's market, right? Mm -hmm. If you go to the farmer's market in May, there is going to be asparagus. And then in June, the asparagus is gone and now there's peas. And now, you know, in July, we're getting into really hot season. The peas are done and we're starting getting, to get into broccolis and cabbages and, you know, other things. So you're never like, you never get tired of eating asparagus because yeah. it's only available a couple weeks a year. And then you move on to the next thing. And that's how local flowers are too. So when we start the year, you know, our first big crop is tulips and tulips, I think do get a little bit of a bad rap because people think tulips are a little bit boring. They're, you know, they're sort of ubiquitous. You see them at the grocery store. But our farmers are growing like super fancy tulips, yeah. like doubles and fringed and parrots, like really tulips you would never see yeah. at a regular store. And so I feel like tulips are a little under the radar in that way. Sure. Um, then next is ranunculus. And in the normal world of <laughs> non-local flowers, ranunculus, you know, is hot and people love ranunculus and locally our growers, every grower grows ranunculus because it is a fan favorite. People love it. And there are not too many flowers I would say this about because I am passionate about sort of seasonal and local flowers. But I, if there was one flower that I wish was available all year round, it's definitely ranunculus. So we have ranunculus locally um, February to Mother's Day. Okay. So it's a, you know, four month window or so. Um, and I'm always sad when they're gone, but it really comes right on the heels of peonies. So peonies, you know, mm -hmm. start Mother's Day and then they're available for a month. And peonies really are everybody's favorite flower. Like there are people who don't care anything about flowers, who don't know the names of any flowers, who don't know anything but they love peonies. They yeah. are obsessed with peonies and I like peonies, yeah. but I am not like, I'm not like the normal sort of everyday person who's obsessed. I love them, but I'm fine with them being available a month and moving on to something else. So after, after peonies, our next big crop, our big focal flower crop is dahlias and dahlias are another like favorite that people love. And the one thing about dahlias that I'll say is that, traditional flower shops or conventional flower shops that source their flowers from overseas don't usually use dahlias because they don't ship well. Mm. And so even if, you know, a grower in Holland or Kenya can grow a fabulous dahlia, they don't ship well because they're shipped out of water. Some flowers ship better than others. Dahlias really don't ship well. And so 
Dahlia season locally is really a big celebration because everybody is looking to get dahlias. Everybody wants dahlias. And so from probably mid July, right through the frost, um, we have dahlias and they are just fabulous. And I feel like for us as local, as folks sourcing locally, we have a little bit of a leg up because Mm -hmm. the traditional florists don't necessarily have them. And then when we get into Thanksgiving, we've got heirloom mums, which are like fancy mums. And again, mums are something that people are like, oh, mums, they're <laughs> at Costco, you know, like they're so boring or they're dyed blue or, you know, something like that. But heirloom mums are different. They're really, they come in like beautiful colors and beautiful shapes and they're great for fall weddings. And then it gets us right back to tulips again. So that's the yeah. cycle. Those are like the main, those, and you know, there's hundreds every week. There's hundreds of varieties of flowers available locally. It's just that those are like the hot, yeah. big focal flowers that sort of are available locally during the year. Yeah. That's the, uh, the, the hot 100 as it were. <laughs> exactly. Totally. So yeah, yeah. D- definitely. Uh, what's, what's the one, the first one that you, ranunculus, that's the one oh, yeah, that, that is, that's a gorgeous flower. Like, as you were describing it, I'm just looking at pictures. And I was like, all right, now it's almost like, when I see when, you're going to be obsessed with ranunculus too now it's like when I dove into wine uh I knew nothing uh-huh. and I was like yeah I'll take this rosé that has these these grapes that were used it's like how do you know this it's yeah. like oh talking to people like Ellen Frost that knows these different things I had class that's the thing I think that you and that's partly I'll just this is sort of a side note but that's one of the things that we that we're most passionate about. And I think that we love most about our work is being able to share stories with our customers about the flowers, about the farmers, about how the flowers are grown and where they're grown so that people can be, you know, like as excited as we are, like our customers who knew nothing you know, about local flowers when they first started coming to us are now like, oh, is it tuberose time yet? Because I know it's only available one week a year. So is it time for the tuberose? Like we've got them trained to be excited about the things we're excited about. Um, So it's great. It's a great opportunity to share sort of the stories of local flowers with people who are interested. Yeah, I mean, you're you're selling a ticket in terms of just being aware, having that calendar, if you will, because uh, mm-hmm. my my relationship with flowers has always been buying it for some woman in my life, whether it be my mom, sure. my partner, and I, it, there is it's still in my refrigerator. Uh, my partner, mm-hmm. I was I was on this rant, and I was like, guys like flowers too, and she had flowers sent to my job. Uh, all right, cool. These only roses though. Where's my chrysanthemums or whatever? I was, you know. Guys do do like flowers. Guys definitely do like flowers. I'm a big proponent of sending guys flowers for sure. So share share a piece of advice. Again, there's another pun. It's a pun alert, trigger warning, all of that. <laughs> share a piece of advice that didn't seem important at the time, but later bloomed into something very helpful. <laughs> you know, I, I think that one piece of business advice that I got very early on, which I, I don't think I fully, you know, cause I'm old. And when I started this business, there was not the type of social media presence there is now, you know, there were blogs and Facebook was starting, but there was certainly not, um, there was certainly not the presence that there is today among businesses. And because we are in a visual business, you know, flowers on Instagram is 
it's a lot. There are a lot. It's a lot. Um, and very early on, one of the flower farmers who I know um, said to me something to the effect of like, don't worry about your competitors, you know, whoever you think your competitors are, you know, do you mm -hmm. like do the best you can do, keep your head down, you know, don't worry, don't spend any energy or any time comparing yourself. What are they doing? Are they going to get the client that I'm trying to get, you know, do the best you can and do your thing, even if it's a little bit different than everybody else. And you're going to find your people, mm -hmm. you know, you're not going to have to. And in the beginning I was like, I don't know. I just, that sounds sort of an idealized picture of what really business is like. I'm like, cause I had never been in business. I was like, you know, I'm thinking about like looking at competitors, websites, looking at what they're offering, how much are they charging? You know, like, and when she told me that I was like, okay, well, let me, let me like think about that for a little bit. And it wasn't until we sort of became more comfortable in our own skin and comfortable with the, with what we were offering, um, that I could really appreciate that advice because especially in flowers. And I would say, especially on social media, there is a lot of comparison. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of, you know, what are they doing? I saw that they're using this mechanic, you know, there's just a lot of that. And for us, that advice has stayed true and it has really helped us stay focused on our own work and, you know, certainly, um, keep abreast, I guess, of what people are doing, but not feel, not feel afraid, not feel threatened, not feel, um, you know, like we're in competition, like we're all just doing our own thing and it happens to be in flowers. And, you know, so I think for me, that was like something that in the beginning, I didn't quite understand fully, but has really helped keep us grounded and keep us focused, you know, sort of eye on the prize of our own prize. Totally. That, that's yeah. kind of one of those things I got from listening to this, this metaphysics course, um, a while back. And, as you remember, the guy that was kind of transposing, the teacher that was transposing um, the, this text because it's very wordy and it's very vague sometimes. It, it was just mm -hmm. like when you receive the message, he's like, you might have to listen to this same thing over and over again. But when you receive the message, it's going to be something that you're, it might, you might not use it right now, but you will use it. Right. It's going to hit you. And and I think that's why I like that question so much because mm -hmm. you don't you don't think about it. And you know, yeah. I got started in podcasting a year after you got started. And, mm -hmm. you know, this is a very trends oriented thing. And yeah. I, I see things that I know are not true. And, you know, people mm -hmm. will come to you and say like, otherwise, because they heard it in a book or the approved manual or whatever, I'll put it this way, that, you know, your people will say, you should not do a podcast that's longer than 20 minutes. And I was like, mm -hmm. okay. Uh, Joe Button, Joe Rogan. I was like, all of these people do daily podcasts, sure. three hours long. And I was just like, right. So how are they getting these big bucks? And you're telling mm -hmm. all of these people to do these small things. It's trend oriented yeah. and you have to stay in your lane. You have to stay mm -hmm. authentic to what your mission is and what your goal is. And that'll get you through because all of this other totally. stuff is a, is a, is a storm of noise. <laughs> Yeah. And there's people, you know, I think there's people out there for everybody, you know, our people who come to us for flowers are not, you know, the same people that go to 
FTD flowers. You know, there's people for FTD and there's people for us. And, you know, I just didn't feel ever like we had to try to get those people away from it, you know, somebody else that we could just find our own people and, and be good with that. So I have one last question here before we get into yeah. shameless plugs. We always like to do the shameless oh, plugs. Oh, yeah. Uh, Great. So, uh, and maybe you think this, maybe you don't, but some people have this notion of intimidation around buying and owning flowers. Why, why do you think that's the case? Oh, uh, you know what? We have such a different flower culture in the United States than other countries do. So some places like England or, um, I mean, England for sure, Holland, um, because what has happened sort of over the history, it's funny because I teach a history of floristry class. So I'm like over 250 years, um, <laughs> we have, we have sort of, um, made been made to think that flowers are, um, only for special occasions that they are, um, not everyday purchases, not everyday things. And also we've come to, um, believe partially because we're buying flowers that are, you know, shipped from across the world that flowers don't last very long. So they're not a good value. Yeah. And so I think those two competing things, we've got one on one hand where you're like, Oh, it's mother's day. I'll buy something for my mother or for my wife or for my daughter, you know, for mother's day. But I wouldn't just do that on a Wednesday. You know, I wouldn't do it just for whatever. Um, and also you think like, well, I don't really want to spend $20, $30, um, you know, this week because these flowers are only going to last a day or two. And so I think there is, and that's one of the reasons why at our shop, we both for weddings and for single orders and for our retail, we never have any minimums, you know, like most florists have a minimum for weddings or, um, when we're open for retail, you can come in and buy one stem, you know, like you don't have to buy a $40 bouquet. You can buy one, $2 stem because we always, we always want to make and keep local flowers accessible to people and to try to, help people think of flowers as an everyday or every week kind of thing. Um, and we're just, we don't have that culture here. And we definitely try to instill that in folks because flowers, they don't have to be expensive. You know, you can buy, you know, three or four stems and put them in a bud vase and have them for a week and it costs 10 bucks. Yeah. Um, and the joy that those flowers are going to give you um, you know, it's worth 10 bucks. That's like what two Starbucks coffees. Like yeah. you, you're going to get a lot more joy. I'm telling you out of that flower vase than you are out of those two Starbucks coffees. I agree. Um, yeah. So I think that's partly why I agree. That's, that's great. And that gives me some, some insight, um, on that. And hopefully the fine folks listening to this, learn something, uh, and that's right. all of that good stuff. So if you will, um, shameless plug time, let's let social media website, all of that good stuff. Awesome. Okay. So you can find us on Instagram at local color flowers. You can find our website at locoflow.com. That's L-O-C-O-F-L-O.com. Those are probably the two main places to find us. You can find us on Facebook too, under Local Color Flowers. Um, and I will say, 
this is just a timely plug. Um, our shop has been closed for walk-in business for retail business since COVID. Um, and we've been doing other things, deliveries and small weddings and other things, but all of that has been contactless. And our shop is going to reopen this Saturday, July 3rd, um, from eight to 12. And so we're open, we'll be open Saturdays from eight to 12 going forward. And we're really excited to be open again and see people and, you know, again, share the stories of local flowers with folks. So yeah, we're real excited about that. Well, that's wonderful. And, and thank you. And congratulations on this, this point of being coming back to being reopened. So that's, that's great. Thank you so much. So um, that's all I have. I'll do my sign off and uh, this has been great. Okay. Awesome. Thanks so much. So for Ellen Frost from local color flowers, I am Rob Lee saying that there's art, business, flowers, all that good stuff. Things that you should just look into, buy, beautify your home and your neighborhood with some flowers uh, in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it.